I want to sit down here today as I bring the word. Is that okay? Get amongst you, connect with you. Thank you, Pastor Jace. Excellent. Now, I, you know this in advance, most of you have been here, I am not the tallest guy on the planet. Oh, and there goes my water. Uh, but I just thank you. Good on you. Thanks, guys. But I wanted to, to do something and come down here sometimes. It's good to connect with everyone. Uh, let's pray. Oh, youth. Sorry, I thought you were just going, you, you, you. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, am I not here? <laughs> My wife does an amazing job. We have this little system over the nine years running church where we cues and clues. And I had uh, baby Savannah falling asleep. And so I'm like, you, you sign off when you're worship leading. And I think Dan's trying to, he was trying to figure out my sign language as well. I'm like, you, you sign off <laughs> like this. Uh, so some things, these things happen when you have to be spontaneous, when you've got young family. Um, let's thank Pastor Sarah for everything that she does. <laughs> so her comment then was that youth, we have to, who's facilitating youth today? Nick, Nikita. Woohoo! Nikita, Nikita. All right, all of our high schoolers stand, and uh, let's give them warm encouragement as they go to youth program. Cool. All right. So today, I want to bring uh, some teaching on a word called flow. Can everyone say flow? We want to flow. Um, And we have a nice image there of an ocean, you know, isn't it? When you have a view with water, man, isn't it peaceful, right? There's something about being able to overlook water that is amazing. Uh, and, um, but today, I want us to pray, and we're going to get into a word today called flow. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Father, Lord, for the spirit uh, to flow through this message called flow. Lord, we pray for your anointing. Let it go before us. Father, we thank you, Lord, that... Uh, your word does not uh, become powerful when there's a striving, when there's a sense of performance. But Lord, uh, with preparation and with your anointing, Father, Lord, your work can do powerful things. So Father, I thank you, Lord, that your anointing go before us today, Lord, that you minister to people. Father, you open ears, Lord, you open hearts. Lord, I thank you even for the healing anointing that that was here and was gathering, Lord, during the worship time. Lord, I pray that that heal anointing moves powerfully with the word and brings healing, Lord, to our lives. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we've declared recently through you that this is a season of bloom, Lord, where there's been pruning, there's been uh, things that have been cutting away and uh, things that have been adjusting, Father. But, Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord, that there's a new thing that you are bringing forth, Lord. And, Lord, it's powerful and it's fresh. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the new thing that you're establishing in people's lives, in the Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, well, uh, I want us to think about the word flow for a minute. And when we think about the word flow, what comes to mind? Uh, who wants to just put up your hand and tell me what just comes to mind? Just some buzzwords. Consistent. Thank you, Crystal. Garden hose. Okay. And yeah, when you think about a garden hose with consistent, right, a consistent flow, nothing worse than having a garden hose right, where there's got a, a kink in it, right, and the flow is like really restricted, yeah? What? Sorry? Cleansing. Okay. That's a good word. Yes. 
Smooth. Cool. What else? Fresh. Continuous. Fresh. Fresh. Outpouring. Outpouring. Movement. 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 No blockages. Okay, we might stop there, right? <laughs> uh, no blockages, yeah, because we could continue. But we get it. Good. Okay, so flow. Uh, let's have a look at this particular scripture to start with. I want to look at Proverbs 4.23. We've got that slide there. Thank you, team. Uh, I've got here a couple of different versions. Sometimes I like to do this just so we can look at different angles of the word. But Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another version says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Another version says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So if we have a look at this, uh, the first part, if you look at the first scripture there, above all else. So when we say above all else, what is that saying to us? Someone at the back, what is above, something that's above all else, what does that mean? Priority, what, what do you say? superior, so a superior priority, a priority. Just shout a little bit louder. Primarily, okay, good word, all right. So it means that we need to take note of it, doesn't it, above all else. And then guard your heart. What does the word guard mean? Someone over here. Protect, good. Let's, exp- let's unpack that a little bit. What else can we say that means protect? Shield, good. Hold close, good. Keep watchful, good. All right. Uh, so let's rephrase the first bit. Make it a big priority. Make it a key focus above all else. Guard your heart, protect it, shield it, keep it close, be watchful over it. Um, and then there's a comma after guard your heart, and then the next bit is for everything you do flows from it. What I love about that particular part of the verse, uh, the scripture there, is that it's giving a very clear benefit that comes from the first part, right? So what, I'm, what am I doing here? Let me be really intentional and deliberate. Uh, we're just unpacking. Everyone say unpacking. We're unpacking the word here, right? A very practical thing that we should do, which is we're unpacking it so that we can eat it, right? You know when you have food and it's in a package, right? You can't just bite straight into it because the packing usually makes it less edible, correct? Right? So when we want to get into the word and we want to really chew on it and we want to be able to utilize it to nurture us, we need to sometimes unpack it. And a great way to unpack it is really to break little parts up and think, what else does that mean? How else could I say that? What is that saying to me? Okay, so the first bit is, above all else, guard your heart. So we've just unpacked that. And then the next bit is, it's saying, if you do that, on the other side of the equation, you get this type of result, you get this benefit. Everyone say benefit. And the benefit is, for everything you do flows from it. So if you keep a priority that you protect your heart or you guard it, you make sure that you're aware of its condition and you're helping to position it in a place where it hopefully most of the time, right, stays healthy. And if it doesn't, then it might need a bit of detoxing, right? So if you do that, it's important because everything that you do flows from 
that condition of your heart. So if the condition of your heart is a priority and it's protected, uh, it's going to benefit you because everything that you do in life, another version says, for from it flows the springs of life. Um, and what we're talking about, the springs of life there, is we're talking about, if we think about springs, we're thinking about actually the source of life or the fruitfulness that comes from what we put a hand to, what we think about, and that can relate to all different types of things. The Bible is very encouraging here around that your heart, and when we even unpack what the Bible means about heart, that can mean different things as well. It can mean your thought life, it can mean your attitude, it can mean um, your sense of identity, how how you're thinking, how you're feeling, um, and what you're holding on to and what you're letting go of, uh, what are you putting emphasis on and what you're kind of maybe thinking isn't really important. We, we know that all of these different angles give us greater understanding around what the word heart means. So let's have a look at this. Well, actually, before we go any further, what I want us to do is let's put our hand on our heart. And let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word from Proverbs. We thank you, Lord, that it's teaching us, Lord, that you're, you're, you're guiding us to make it a priority, Lord, to be watchful over our heart, our attitude, our thought life, the positioning of what we're holding on to, what we're letting go of, Lord, our attitude internally, Father, Lord, to guard it, to watch over it, to analyze it, to maybe filter it, Father, Lord, because uh, because, Lord, the issues, the fruit, the, uh, the promises, uh, the things of life manifest, spring forth from the condition of our hearts. So, Father, Lord, we thank you for that revelation. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would even uh, bring a spirit of revelation in this house today, Lord, that you would help people, Lord, to confidently on the inside, just between you and them, God. Lord, help them to be vulnerable today, Lord, in the atmosphere of your presence. Help them to be open and real, Lord, as they're chewing on the word today. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would have access into people's hearts today. Lord, let the river of the Holy Spirit flow through this place. Father, we pray right now, Lord, if there's been any prickles or thorns, Father, if there's been any walls, if there's been any dams, if there's been any blockages, Father, hindrances, Lord, that have stopped the flow of our heart, Lord, being able to be healthy, Father. Lord, I pray that there'd be an anointing here this morning, Lord, that would be able to penetrate through those walls, that would be able to unblock those blockages, Father. Lord, Spirit of God, move through people's lives, Father. I pray, Lord, that there'd be a fertilizing capability in the seed of the Word of God today, Lord, to bring forth fresh life, a fresh flow in people's hearts today as we unpack this word in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right, let's have a look at this next scripture of Proverbs eighteen twelve, And it says here, uh, interestingly, what we're going to see in the theme that I want to go into in this particular word today is what I call a cause and effect, we looked at it a little bit about the scripture before. We saw that, you know, if we understand, you know, if we do something here, then on the other side of the equation, so to speak, something happens, 
right? And so a lot of the theme today through this word is it's really about um, unpacking, looking at, okay, what's going on this side of the equation so that we can either avoid, if it's a negative thing, this thing from manifesting on the other side, or if it's a positive thing, then we can actually benefit from it. And so if we have a look at this scripture here, Proverbs 18, 12, again, I'm going with the same theme of different versions. So first one says, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. This is an interesting um, uh, scripture here. We'll look at the second version. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. And before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. All the same scripture, different versions. So again, if we unpack this, before a downfall, the heart is haughty. First of all, uh, sounds a bit uh, doom and gloom, but the word downfall, uh, what do we mean by that? Uh, Let's reverse the two words, fall down, right? The downfall practically really is when we fall down, Uh, when we somehow lose position or we lose something, um, we lose out, Right? What's a classic biblical example? A Bible famous downfall. It started at the beginning. Who wants to tell us? Someone over here. Shout it out with confidence. Adam and Eve, yeah. All right. Probably the fall uh, of man, definitely. Yeah. What was a fall even before Adam and Eve that actually was the catalyst to them being influenced to fall? Someone over here. The devil, Lucifer, right? Okay. Who was Lucifer before he became the devil? He was an angel, right? And what was he responsible for? For worship, right? And, uh, and so the Bible says that the catalyst, the starting point, but the anchor to his downfall was pride that came in, and then he started to fall. Um, and obviously he fell so hard that um, he became bitter and twisted. You know, when you're that, I suppose, that close to God or immense, and then you um, betray him and then you have such a fall, well, you're going to become this eternally bitter and twisted kind of creature. So really not a fun uh, downfall that obviously Lusa uh, encountered and he's all trying to, you know, pay us back for that, right? But luckily, the God that we worship is bigger and better than any devil, right? So we know a downfall... Uh, is not fun, but it says before that something happens that the downfall is just uh, the result. But what leads uh, to a downfall is actually got to do with the heart. And it says before the, a downfall, the heart is haughty. Now, what does the word haughty mean? Proud, yes. Arrogance, yes. Consented, yes. Self-centered. Conceited. Thank you. Thank you. That were actually all good, all, all good words. <laughs> um, I think we had someone over here saying boast. Inflated. Evil, yes. Superiority. Good, all right. Now, it's funny because when I was in acting school, we used to have these different characters. And what we learned in acting school was that your mind 
your voice and your body are all connected. And so one of the foundational classes that we did to start to actually help us to get into character was they gave us um, kind of different, like stereotypical masks, right? You had like a really jolly one and then... But there was one uh, particular mask that was about getting into that real haughty type of a character, And it had a certain look about it and a feel about it. But it was funny because the way that it was positioned on your face, it kind of brought your shoulders in like this and kind of naturally brought your hands a little bit like this, right? And so it helped the acting students to be able to get into certain types of character. Now, what was interesting was as soon as your body kind of changed into more of that positioning like this... Naturally, your thoughts kind of were a little bit like... And your voice was a little bit, right? And so whenever I see the word haught in the Bible, I think of this kind of a character that's like this. Right? And it's kind of like the way that a haughtiness sees the world is through this filter of... Hmm. Right? And so we know uh, it's an ugly thing. And really the Bible's just saying here that as human beings, uh, we have to be wary of it because it, we can be tempted to fall into it. But more importantly, we're going to be tempted that we don't fall into it too permanently. Okay? Because it will really start to impact on just that overall filter of life. You'll start to see all different things through that filter. And it will impact on everything. It can start to lead to the destruction of all types of things. Relationships, joy, um, even practically things like just your ability to get along with people. Um, It removes quickly, if I could say, the lubrication of relationships. And it brings, if you know a door, right? I love using this analogy. You know those sliding doors? You know when something really, a door is really... It's difficult on the the tracks. It's kind of, you know, grinding. Haughtiness spiritually will really start to have its effect in people's hearts. So before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility. So this is now giving us the the antidote. But humility comes before honor. Now, what does the word honor actually mean? What do we mean by honor? What does honor mean? Who wants to have a go? Respect, yes. Favor, yeah. Good, holding it in high regard, right? Holding it in high regard. And um, what this is saying here is that the Bible's unpacking this into saying holding the things that you should in high regard isn't always going to be smooth sailing, it will get attacked. And usually it gets attacked because moments or bits of haughtiness in people's thought life or in their heart, more importantly, starts to leak in. Now, haughtiness is that sense of... mm, mm, I don't think I like you right now. It's just a little... These little things, right? And so... Another version says, haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. So again, what it's saying here is that when we are able to um, allow ourselves 
to be humbled, and who's the best uh, person to be able to appropriately and effectively humble you? It's the Spirit of God. It's the very presence of the Lord. It's why it's so great to make coming into the presence of the Lord um, important in your life and regular, because what it does is when you encounter the goodness of God, but there's a reality about it. There's a sense of presence of the Lord. And you can, you, can, you can feel his character. You can feel his warmth and his faithfulness towards you. It helps you to just humble yourself. Because you're like, yeah, you are bigger and better than I could possibly ever be. And I'm in awe of you. And what it does is it allows that humility to get reset and it helps to, to start to tear off or to effectively leak out that kind of little bit of haughtiness that can come in. So none of us as human beings are exempt from haughtiness starting to leak into our hearts. We're human. But again, what the Bible is saying here is, is that it's what you do with it and how you manage it, do you allow it to linger for too long? Or do you allow the presence of the Lord to be a continuous soul detox for you? Um, now, what we're covering here is nothing brand new, but I feel it's, it's, it's timely and important um, because, uh, you know, what are we? We've just started the second quarter of the year. We're all busy. People start to get a little bit sick. People start to get sometimes a little bit tired, a little bit cranky, a little bit short, right? And so it's important for us to continue um, spending time in the Lord's presence because of this. So haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility proceeds honor. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Um, How is it? How is it over time? that um, things can go from great to not so great? How is it that, you know, situations can start off great and then it can kind of slide a little bit? You know, and I'm talking about all types of things, whether it be work situations, university situations, family situations, church situations, whatever it is, right? How can sometimes things be good and it gets... Usually when you look at it, it's all about over that journey because the more that you walk with people, the more that you walk in life, there's going to be moments of frustration, disappointment, expectation not being met. Um, You were thinking something, another thing happened. And over time, we can choose to get a little bit, right? And we can kind of judge it. Or we can go to the Lord and say, God, I need you to help me to process this because I can either leave this baggage continue to grow on my shoulders or, God, I can help, I can invite you in to help me to process this. So I'm releasing the junk on a regular basis. I'm positioning myself for God to be my soul detox. So before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So this is a great way to look at the seesaw of uh, 
honor is about you honoring the Lord, you honoring also yourself, uh, you honoring the things that the Lord will want you to honor in life. What should be a priority? What should you hold with respect? And making sure we protect that uh, as well. So it's a good couple of scriptures there that we've unpacked. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, for your word today. Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, that you're, you are an amazing shepherd, Jesus. You are just such a loving guide of our lives. Lord, you love us so much that you want to help us to stay close to the living streams of water, which is your word and your presence. Father, I thank you, like a good shepherd, Lord, when we start to stray away a little bit or we kind of trip a little bit in a hole in the pasture and we've kind of fallen down, Lord, your loving hand wants us to, to scoop us up and to bring us closer back to the riverbank again so that we can drink of the goodness of you. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that your, your love and your kindness and your, um, your, your ability, Father, Lord, to be a healing hand in our lives, let it be so prominent right now in the atmosphere of this place. Lord, even allow people to experience as we go through this teaching, Lord, that your hand can... can can enter into our heart and start to do some heart surgery. And even if it doesn't need to be surgery, that even if it's just heart massage or heart chiropractor or whatever it needs to be, Father, that you love us so much that your hand doesn't want to enter our heart to bruise it. Your heart towards our heart isn't to try and make it restricting the flow or make it harder to put pressure on us. No, God, you're a God who wants to release stress. You want to release the toxins out of our heart, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself more and more as we get into this teaching. Lord, let your word illuminate the motive of who you are, that you are an amazing heart surgeon who ultimately wants us to flow in life and to flow with you. In Jesus' mighty name, have your way, God. Thank you, Lord. So let's have a look at this next slide. Uh, I want to talk here about this overall principle. Is this okay so far? Uh, called Before the Outcome. Can we have a look at that next slide, team? Before the Outcome. Now, what I like about this is this is setting the scene for the next lot of slides, and that is... I've been talking a little bit about the equation analogy. So there's something on this side. Maybe I might actually do it in reverse because it's a mirror here. So in terms of you guys looking this way, usually the equations run from this way and then there's an equal sign and that's this way. So this side of the equation from your perspective is usually kind of what we start with. Okay, It's this plus this plus this equals and then this is obviously what it equals. This is the outcome. So with where my hand is positioned here, everyone say outcome. This is the outcome. And so for us to continue to grow and to mature in being able to manage um, the fruit in our lives, the outcomes, what God's encouraging through his word today is for us to have great understanding or revisit, you know, what are the key things that need to be added in or included uh, to get the right outcome. And some of the outcomes here we're going to talk about today are outcomes that we want, okay? And so we're going to look at what are the ingredients 
that has to come before the outcome. So obviously we want those ingredients if we want that outcome. But we're also going to look at some outcomes that we don't want. And we're going to look at some of the ingredients that have to become before those outcomes. And so we want to avoid those ingredients. So if we look here on the slide, before the outcome... You know, the scriptures talk about out of the abundance of the heart flow the issues of life. We've already hinted at that as we've started today. Therefore, guard your heart. It happens first in the heart, really, is what the Bible's saying here. The condition of a heart. And what takes root in your heart brings fruit in your life. And so when we talk about the before, it's the condition of your heart. And then the outcome is the fruit either good or not so good, that comes from that particular condition. So everyone repeat after me. I will manage the condition of my heart with the partnership and the power of Jesus. What are we saying there? Try not to do this. God... You're responsible for everything. I don't take any responsibility. And what's the problem with that? What happens is is then all of our prayer life becomes reactionary because now we have these outcomes that have manifested because we haven't managed the initial part of the equation and now we're calling on God to fix the lack of fruit or the frustration or the deterioration or the destruction um, And the good news is that God is a miracle maker. He is a healer. He can deliver us from evil. Okay, He can deliver us from when things go pear-shaped. So everyone breathe in. Breathe in the presence of God. Breathe out. Okay. If it gets pear-shaped, the good news is God can rescue us. But who knows that God wants us to mature and he wants us to also use the word of God, not just as a cure, but also preventively to be able to position us with wisdom. And so that's why we want to look at this word today. Let me also say this. Um, no one's exempt from this. Uh, I think sometimes uh, we, can, we, can, we can get very familiar with Christianity. We can get very familiar with church. Um, and we can start to tick the box around, well, you know, I kind of get this now, I, I know this. Usually that, when things start to become familiar and just a pattern of habits, that's when haughtiness and when these issues can actually start to hook you. Uh, no one is exempt to this. If you've been a Christian for 50 years and you've been to all the conferences and, you know, you could preach and teach as well and, you know, uh, I'm not exempt to this, you're not exempt to this, uh, no one, Bishop Bill Hammond, head of CI, is not exempt to this. No one. doesn't matter how much you are in God. In fact, I think when you start to think you've arrived is probably the biggest danger. And let me say this. It's not just overall when you think you've arrived. I think sometimes it's also when you think you've arrived in a season. You know when everything's starting to just kind of click into place? Not that that, I mean, wouldn't it be great if that was always happening? But there are moments in life when you kind of think, hey, things are starting to click in a place where I've had that breakthrough. And then you can kind of get a little bit comfortable. 
you kind of think, hey, all the boxes are being ticked. And this is where this type of stuff we have to be mindful of. All right, let's have a look at this first one. We'll go to the next slide. Thanks, team. This one here is about <clears throat> before destruction comes pride. This is the obvious one that we're going to start with because it's directly related to the scripture. Um, but you can see here it says, pride in your heart leads to destruction in your life. Pride cannot lead anywhere else but to a fall. So watch this. There are going to be moments of pride. There's going to be times when you sense you've got a little bit of pride going on there. Um, this is what I've noticed. Um, don't worry so much about other people's pride. Just worry about your pride. Because what I've learned to be vulnerable before you in my life is the moments when my pride has impacted me, it's probably because I've fallen into the trap of focusing on someone else's pride. I'm like, oh, gee, it's a bit, that person's being a bit prideful, right? And it becomes that haughtiness about their pride. I'm like, like, mm, mm. right? And that can be a bit of a trap, right? You know that old saying, we're not old, it's still spot on. You know, Jesus just nails it every time, right? What's that old saying? What's that classic analogy that I use about, yeah, the plank versus the splinter, right? So I want to encourage you, sometimes around, you know, we, get, we can get tired or busy and what have you. And sometimes the flesh will kind of get us to focus on the pride in others that are really annoying us. Yeah, because the pride in others around you annoy, will annoy you or frustrate you. But if you can focus on really honestly evaluating your pride first, man, that's a key. Because when you deal with your pride and you humble yourself before the Lord, the pride in others actually becomes less of an annoyance and more of something that you want to pray for them. You just want to pray for them, right? So you shift from the flesh to the spirit and the weaknesses in others become less of an annoyance to you and more of an opportunity for you just to love them. And so um, we get this, this one. Uh, pride, I was going to leave this right to the end and we don't need to go to the end slide because that'll be a little bit tricky for, for the team and the AV, but I was going to leave this to the end, but I think it relates nicely here, so I'm going to share it. And it's just, I think it's just bringing some wisdom if we can to um, identifying pride in your life because I think sometimes it can go unnoticed. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think the Bible talks a lot about that pride is one way it could be very much revealed um, by what comes out of your mouth, right? Um, I'm a chatty kind of person. I wear my heart on my sleeve, okay? My wife Sarah knows this, Okay. Um, but not everyone's like me. So with me, um, I'll, I'll be obvious with you, if I've got moments or it, pride in my life, it becomes very revealed by my speech, right? Also, my humility will be revealed. So that any condition of the person's heart usually is revealed by their speech. Um, I, w I just want to bring a but to that. And I think it's a but. It's a balanced but, so to speak. 
We won't go even further with that comment, right? But you get what I'm saying. And the balance is... <laughs> I can't believe I just said that, but anyway, it's all good. The balance... Let's just think with the word balance. The balance is, is that some of us um, either have learnt this over time or we're naturally like this in our personality. We're not necessarily big on expressing exactly how we feel. And so the truth of that pride is revealed through what you say is definitely relevant, but not always relevant. Because sometimes your mask can hide your heart. So where your mouth can reveal your heart, your mask, if you've fallen into a pattern of of wearing a mask or masks, or maybe it's more of your personality, um, it can hide your heart, it can hide your pride. Um, I think sometimes people who obviously have pride in lives, if they you know start blurting it all out, let's say they've got speech that's very judgmental or it's critical of others and what have you, that's obvious signs that maybe that person needs to have a bit of a soul detox with the Lord, right? It needs to look at that plank in their eye, okay? Because if they continue with that, there's going to be some ramifications, right? Because they just keep splurting out all that stuff. But I think if we balance that, not everyone uh, actually makes their pride in their life obvious. I think a lot of people, particularly in Christendom, uh, finding life, I think, can become very good at wearing not just one mask, but multiple masks. Because they know they have to act a certain way or, you know, whatever it is. And so I think what's important is, is that if you know, right, remember the theme here is uh, when, we're, when we're going into this teaching right now, I want you to think about, don't think about other people in your life. Don't even think about the person maybe that you're married to or the person that you're flat with or the person in your family or that person in the, your university group or your person to work with, who you could be tempted right now going, oh, man, this is so all about that person. <laughs> right? Because then you're looking at the splinter in there, right? How we want to sit here with this teaching is we want to sit here with the teaching around, let's use this as an opportunity to shed, to allow the Lord to shed the light on the condition of my heart. And that's why I wanted to bring balance, because you may be sitting here, whereas for me, I know a good cue or clue, if there's pride in my life, is what I say, right? My wife knows that, right? Thank goodness and thank God my wife is in my life, because she, without any hesitation, will pull me up as quick as you can count one. (laughs) And I'm talking one second, not one minute, right? But she does it in love. Very patient, right? But you may be here and you may, you may rightfully think, well, that's not me. You know, I don't go around you know, making it obvious. No, but you might be very good at hiding it. And actually haughtiness is more hidden than it is spoken. It's usually, watch this now, haughtiness is the facial expression of the condition of your heart. 
not on your face, but it's hidden. Haughtiness is very much where someone's heart towards a situation or a person really is like this. But on here, it's... Right? And we're all sitting here. No one here, right, is sitting here going, oh, right, I don't get what he's talking about. (laughs) Right? But this is the key. No one here, first of all, no one here should be sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, this point's really good about this person or about that person. Right? Just focus on you. Focus on you. That's what's important. So I wanted to say that there. Uh, yes, your mouth can reveal the condition of your heart. That's why if we counterbalance those two things, the mouth reveals the condition of the heart, but the mask is very good at hiding the condition of the heart. Two things here. What is the Lord inviting us to do? He's inviting us to guard our heart by also guarding our speech, right? But he's also asking us to think about are you someone who's actually good at wearing masks? And if you are, you may have fallen to a pattern of being able to hide moments of haughtiness in front of humans, but yet the Lord would want to have a healthy and courageous conversation with you. Because he knows that the condition of your heart is so critical to moving forward. Let's have a look at the next one. Before honour comes humility. We know that scripture won't refer to this one. So humility always exalts a person. God gives grace to the humble. Now again, why did I just mention the difference between the mask and the speech? Because we, can, we, knew, we do need to be careful of our speech around others. And we do need to look at speaking about others with words of life. But also... Let's be mindful that Jesus wants us also to deal with any hypocrisy. So it's one thing as a Christian to know I need to be speaking about people well, but also we can be speaking about people well, but in our heart not really thinking of them well. And that's where the mask comes in. You know, we, so we say all the right things with the sweetness of a smile, but yet our thoughts about that person are not really aligned to what the Bible would say we should do when, we, when it comes to, to thinking. This is not easy to do, but it's good. And the Bible says whenever you're tempted to have prolonged thoughts, now let's have a reality check. It's not like you can't think frustration or negative things about people. That's just not realistic, right? The Bible says that God himself is slow to anger, but God gets angry, okay? It's righteous anger, okay? because he's so perfect in his character. So it's righteous anger. But he gets angry. He has thoughts of frustration. Okay, So it's unrealistic to go where you need to walk around like robots and never think negatively about people. But what the Bible is saying is when we do, make sure we capture it and we don't allow it to become like a prolonged, ongoing, rerun movie in our mind. So humility will always exalt a person. And what's great about humility is, again, that if there is someone that you're, th- you, you, you're tempted to constantly think negative about, 
then your humility will help to exalt them in prayer. Rather than constantly thinking about that person that way, exalt them in prayer. Okay? And that is not easy to do. That's where you need the presence of the Lord. You need to spend time with the Lord first to help to repost your heart from maybe hardness to humility so that then you can respond from that humility and exalt that person. And so God gives grace to the humble. He will continue to pour into your bank account his grace upon your life when you foster this detox. Okay? Um, and so what's great about this is then honor upon you and honor, honor in your life flows. Um, your ability to put things, um, the priority of things in the right place. Uh, so let me highlight this. Something in life that you need to value, that you get frustrated with, uh, by having humility, it helps to maintain or restore honor to that thing. Okay, whereas things can unravel quite quickly, right? When we don't allow humility to flow, and then uh, instead of honor, uh, then dishonor comes. We can dishonor ourselves. We can dishonor other people. We can dishonor situations, circumstances, even seasons. Okay, so the next one is before happiness comes joy because happiness is really um, a reflection on a circumstance. We know that joy is eternal, that joy really is the anchor even in a season where it doesn't, where you shouldn't be happy because things are going a bit pear-shaped and there's a storm brewing, but your joy positions you, right? So the thing that always precedes any sense of happiness or contentment will always be joy and the ability to establish joy in your life. And so happiness and a a cheerful disposition comes from a heart full of joy. And so you can have a level of cheer or happiness even in a season that's really annoying um, if you're preceding it by looking at building joy into your life. And we know that um, the strength of the Lord, when we talk about the strength of the Lord, we're talking about the very spirit of God. We're talking about the word of God. We're talking about the presence of God. Uh, is critical. You know, we've got so many amazing people in our church, and I'm not going to go specifically, but there are situations right now that families are going through. There are situations that people are going through uh, that are tough, uh, but they are full of joy. Uh, And I just take my hat off to them because it's like, oh, man, there's something... Something that's cooking in their spiritual kitchen is good. Right? They're obviously, in the background, they've got some good things happening. All right, let's have a look at this next one. Before prosperity comes favor. So finding and esteeming the favor of God will always cause you to prosper in life. So again... Uh, you know, when you look at the word grace and the word favor, a lot of times in the Bible they're interchangeable. There's different interpretations and angles, but, you know, usually the favor of God, you know, if you look at the favor of God upon us because he gave us Jesus as the ultimate sacrificing gift, um, his only begotten son, 
the most precious things to the Father was Jesus. And he gave, he sacrificed Jesus because he loves you that much. So he was willing to pay the ultimate price to purchase you. And so when we receive Jesus, we receive the grace of God. But in, inside the grace of God is the favor of God. He favors you because he's bought your eternity um, at the ultimate price that he could have paid, right? I mean, you think about when someone buys you a really crazy expensive gift, but let's say that they're not super rich. Let's say it was a sacrifice, right? Yeah? It was a sacrifice. Um, then if they pour that gift upon you, then they favor you. There's favor there, right? They look upon you with favor. And when we talk about prosperity... We're talking about the richness and the fullness of the flavor of life. Okay? Uh, we are not talking necessarily, uh, it can mean this, but it doesn't necessarily mean, need to mean this. We're not necessarily talking about the fullness of your bank account. Come on now! Looks like some of you are falling asleep. Maybe because you're not used to me talking so smoothly and nice. You're used to me preaching like this! <laughs> Uh, but think about the fullness and the flavor of your life. The fullness and the flavor of your life. Prosperity, right? Um, before prosperity comes favor and the favor of the Lord. So I want you to, if you think about this, when you humble yourself, you receive the grace of God. Another way of saying that is, is when you humble yourself, the Lord's favor is flowing all over you. Think about it. Because the Bible says that pride is a repellent to the Lord. I mean, let's unpack this. There's so many angles that all lead to the same result. The Bible clearly says that pride repels the Lord. He's not attracted to pride. It's the one thing that really repels him. And it says that humility, right? We just saw the scripture before, the comment before around that humility... What was it? Uh, yeah, God gives grace to the humble. And so the humility of people attracts God's grace. Now, think about this. To actually accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you need to be humble in that moment? You do. Because you have to admit, I ain't got it all together. I can't do this all my own strength. And I need something way bigger and better than myself to help me out. Right? Um, so right there, when you repent and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that whole journey of grace begins, your humility actually brings the grace of God upon you. And what I'm trying to say here is that we can build rhythms spiritually in our life when we're reflecting on the condition of our heart and we're looking at managing the seasons and how we're walking and what's the condition of our walk with God. And what God is saying is, is that it doesn't just start with when you give your heart to Jesus, but there is a continual thing of checking in on your heart condition and living a life of repentance, living a life of saying, you know what, God, I kind of messed up this week because I'm a bit, been a bit prideful or I've kind of done. So God, I humble myself. I invite you into my life. Wash me clean afresh today, right? The grace of God flows in your life. 
Uh, it doesn't mean if you have moments of pride that you're not saved, but what it's saying here is that the flow of grace, you know, like that sliding door, grace is like a spiritual lubrication, right? And so the flavor and the fullness of life, right? I know in my marriage, when I sow humility and I reflect on my heart, because I'm not always a humble kind of person, right? You know, sometimes I like to exaggerate a little bit and boast and brag and I've got to keep that all in check. That's just my personal life. That's just, a, you know, that's just an honest self-evaluation, right? The Lord talks to me about these things. But in my marriage, right, I know if I have a, an anchor of pride on my heart towards my wife, the flavor and the fullness of the atmosphere of my life is directly impacted, But when I actually check in on my heart and I allow myself to be humbled before the Lord and then the way that I posture myself before my wife allows that humility to come in, then everything is way more prosperous. The fullness of flavor in my life is far better. Is everyone hearing me? So what we're doing is we're talking about the before and afters. If you want these outcomes, how are you going and doing this? And if you don't want these outcomes, how are you going and avoiding or reducing or eliminating this? We're really looking at the practical things. I just sense that there may be some people here today and there's something that you really need to shift. Something needs to shift. It could be... Uh, an atmosphere thing, it could be a relational thing, it could be a situational thing. What I'm hearing the Lord say is be encouraged today that if you take one of these, the before and the after, that before this outcome, this has to proceed. And so if you need something to shift into a new outcome that's positive or shift away from a bad outcome, I'm hearing the Spirit of God encourage you today to look at the other side of the equation. And I hear the Spirit of God saying this, what are you sowing or what are you not yet sowing? What needs to change on the first side of the equation? See, the Word of God will not return void. As you appropriate the Word today, as you're leaning in and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate this into your ear, God says, as you obediently respond, you will see a shift. You will see a benefit come. But you must take responsibility for what is it that you need to do differently. First, on this side of the equation. Father, I pray right now for whoever those people are that that relates to. Lord, people here who need to see a shift. Lord, I pray into that situation right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're showing them, Lord, what it is that needs to change on the first side of the equation. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, that you're going to guide them, you're going to help them, Father, Lord, to make that shift and that change on the first side of the equation, Father. And as they do that, Lord, we pray that that shift that's much needed, Lord, that would come in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, all right, let's look at the next one. Before victory comes faith. A heart filled with faith will always stay the path until the victory comes. Faith believes that no issue or challenge is too big for God. A believing heart makes a way for God to work miracles. And so we all want victory. 
We all want the breakthrough. We all want to take down Goliath. We all want the walls of Jericho to fall. We all want the Red Sea to part. But before all of those things, what had to come before was faith. And faith positions you to actually look to God first as your solution provider. He can do it. And as you keep your position in a position of faith, God says that that will be the catalyst to bring the victory. But the key is to stay in position, not to run away. You know, in different ways, probably for the whole first quarter of 2019, right now I'm just having this revelation, is that probably every message at some point of 2019 for Forever House that I've preached, there's been some comment, some statement that's come through that's hinted at, don't run away, don't give up, don't give in now, hold on, stay in position, wait, look upon the Lord, do not fall back, do not step back, in all different ways. And again, it's coming through today that the victory that you're seeking will come if you stay in a position of faith. A lot of times you'll be tempted to exit the battlefield. But the Lord is the strong and mighty warrior. And he will never leave you or forsake you. He's right there before you and he's given you everything that you need to do to stay in position. The key to winning the victory is to stay in position. To stay in position. The next one, second last one, I'm going to ask the maybe an instrumentalist to come, is before unity comes love. Love is the key to all we do. Unity in any situation happens when someone with agape love in their heart looks beyond the challenge to love the people involved. What do I mean by agape love? Good. Love that expects no return. So an unconditional type of love. Yeah. And where do we, in order for us to apply that love, where do we source that from? Obviously God, right? I would say this. It's impossible for you to love with agape love by yourself. And... It's interesting when you think about situations and you think about people and you think about God and this whole notion of agape love. It's hard. Because when you love people and you're in in walk with people, it's all about, a lot of times, sacrifice and it's about Compromise that it's about giving and receiving and sowing. But I think what I love about this is that a lot of times we want the feeling of unity in our homes. We want the feeling of unity between us and our children. We want that sense of belonging, connection, alignment, 
on the same page, community, the oneness. We all desire that. I think it's a beautiful thing that the human soul hungers for. And yet all God's saying is that how much does our desire for unity enable us and help us to sow the right thing on the other side of the equation? And I always look at this and I think it's pretty much impossible for you to sow that unless you're spending time with the Lord. Because I think our human love will always be conditional unless we're actually experiencing and receiving the unconditional love of the Lord himself. You know, the world talks a lot about love. But worldly love is very different to the love of God because worldly love will always have an expectation, an agenda behind it. Now, many worldly people would argue that. But when you look at the reality of God and his character and how faithful he is, nothing, nothing can compare to the love of God. Nothing can. No human, no political party, no ideology, no history-making movement, nothing can compare to the love of our God. And so, when we talk about unity, a lot of us think about, because we're in a church setting, we're talking about the unity in church. Well, I think what's more important than the unity in our church is, first of all, the unity between us and God, as in, in our, how we relate to God. Do we actually hang out with God? You know when you keep inviting someone, but they don't turn up, they keep making excuses for why they can't hang out with you? That's probably a sign that you're not probably 100% aligned. So we don't spend time with God, we don't accept his invitation to hang out. Then there's a little bit of discord going on there. And then more importantly, after that, it's the level of unity in our own homes. I think that's the catalyst. Because we can work hard building unity here and that's great and in the workplace and what have you. But the unity in our hearts before our God and between our close loved ones in our home is the catalyst. And then the very last one, we'll look at this and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to get you to just appropriate this in your hearts as we close. The last slide is before forgiveness comes repentance. People asking for instant forgiveness without having a pertinent heart or repentant heart simply want the easy way out. Without repentance, there can be no remission. A repentant heart is often the key that unlocks the door to our future. So what are we talking about repentance? See, so often we want to feel forgiveness in our lives. Because what does forgiveness feel like? It feel like, feels like when the collar and the chain that's restricting your movement that's around your neck is cut off. That's what forgiveness feels like. Freedom.
And yet, for that to happen, we have to have real repentance. I think this is a key. Repentance is really looking at what's the condition of my heart and asking God to shed the light on that and say, God, what do I need to do to change? And listening and waiting on the Lord. Allowing the shepherd to talk back to you, to guide you. Hearing the instruction and then saying, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from whatever it is that's been going on in my heart. And when we respond that way, forgiveness flows. The dam wall opens up and the river begins to flow again. Let's stand this morning and pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that today you've come here in your word and in your presence, Lord, wanting to see damn walls come down. That you have a hunger and a desire for your people to be set free. For there to be a flow. And Father, you've enabled us to have the ultimate freedom of Jesus Christ in our lives where every day we walk with you. There are things that we can trip up on There are tiny parts of poison that can pierce our hearts. And Father, Lord, you're revealing, Lord, your truth today about us looking at the condition of our heart. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're moving across this place and you're helping us, Lord, to come to a realization of what you want us to do right now in this season in April 2019. Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, that you're moving right now, Father, and you're starting to do surgery in people's hearts. I want you just to position yourself however you need to do. If you need to raise your hands, if you want to lean down on the floor, whatever you need to do. If you want to come to the altar, receive prayer, whatever you need to do. But I'm hearing the Lord say this, do something in response to the word. Do something. Between you and the Lord, do something. Whether you need to pray and say, God, I'm hearing this word today. And God, I'm on my way. And God, I want to change that particular thing. Even if it's a private prayer in your heart. I'm hearing the Lord say this, don't just let this word be just a word, but respond to the word. Let it cause you to do something, to shift, to make a decision, whatever it is. Can we just bring that music just down? Just down a little bit. Just because I just don't want to rush this moment. Bible says to wait on the Lord and He will renew your strength. Let's wait. The Lord is here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you are walking among these seats. You're walking in and out of the people here today. Holy Spirit, and that you're touching hearts. 
hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this. Today in this word, in the privacy, in your mind and in your heart where no one else can hear me talking to you, through this word, I've been diagnosing your very specific heart condition. And no one knows it except for you and I, right now in this moment. Through this word, I've been precisely showing you why you're experiencing the symptoms that you're experiencing. I'm hearing the Lord say this. And I'm releasing a prescribed solution through my word, through the equation of what to change, what to shift, what to sow, what to start doing, what to start doing, what to stop doing. But the Lord's saying this, I love you so much. I'm here to help you, but I can't force you to take the prescription. The Spirit of God is saying, I want you to respond to my word, but I cannot force you. I give you free will. So if you want to respond today as we come to a close, I want you to put your hand on your heart and repeat after me. Jesus, I hear you today and I thank you that privately you're speaking to me. And I ask that you help me to respond. And that specific thing that you're asking of me to start doing or to stop doing on the front end of the equation. We'll do that again. On the front end of the equation. I'm going to do it, God. So the outcome begins to shift. Jesus... I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe in your anointing. I believe in your power. So right now, move in my life. Have your way as I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him some praise. We're going to hand out communion. As you take communion, I want you just to sit or to stand in worship and just reflect on this word. Um, we're going to pray over communion in a moment and then we'll open up the cafe doors. But I want you to use communion as a great way just to appropriate this word in your life, in your heart. 
allow the Spirit of God to touch you, to minister to you, and then be blessed. We're going to enjoy our pizza for lunch. Father, as we take communion, Lord, we're going to allow the representation of your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. I thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, as you are helping us to detox our hearts because out of our heart, the issues of life flow. Father, have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.